Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point for all of you listeners, our breakdown of everything happening in the Division I college tennis world. Of course, we've now reached the point in the 2024 calendar where this feels like the perfect moment to take stock of everything that has unfolded so far this year. We are now officially through kickoff weekend officially through the national indoors. Yes, we still have spring break trips on the horizon. We have a few more non-conference battles before we get into the conference schedules, but dare I say we've reached the first third mark of the 2024 season, and as such, now feels like the perfect time to catch up on everything that's unfolded. The best way we figured to perform that exercise is by handing out report cards to the current top six. 16 teams in the ITA rankings. We have officially made the move to computer-generated rankings. Obviously, that formula will ultimately help determine who are the 16 teams hosting the first two rounds of NCAA play, who are the top eight teams hosting the first three rounds. So as we make the pivot to the computer rankings in the ITA world, we will also make the pivot to computer ranking-based analysis here on this show. That said, again, the exercise here today, offer report cards for the current top 16 teams. To spice things up a little bit, we are going to add one rule in particular. We're going to be offering grades A, B, C, or F. You have to use each of those grades at least once as we go through these top 16 teams. A couple other notables we're going to talk about on today's show as well. And joining me for this exercise is the man who joins me each and every week. We have a show like this. For all of you listeners, of course, you all know him best as the returning champion of returning champions on our Cracked Rackets podcast, co-host of these D1 women-centric editions of The Deciding Point, founder of the No Ad, No Problem blog and podcast, and one of my dearest friends, it's John J. Parsons, joining us on the show again today. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Apologies to both you and the listeners that we didn't have this show last week. Dare I say we're playing a little makeup. Our post-National Indoors edition of the podcast delayed due to my hectic travel schedule. But I get you back this week. How are you doing, my friend? I'm well. You've been coast to coast, so uh, no worries at all. You've been busy, and I know that travel will continue. But we'll peek behind the curtain. I think we do some of our best work when you lob over an idea my way. I like to put some polish on it, put some rules, <laughs> put some structure behind what we're doing here tonight. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's when we are at our best. I couldn't agree with you more. And again, the only thing that's traveled more than me of late is our Cracked Rackets laptop, which has gone just about everywhere it has in, uh, it has accrued some significant FedEx expenses. So shout out to the laptop, which every time I walk into that FedEx store, they always ask, so what's in this exactly? And I've always wanted to say, you know, the nuclear football, but then I realize it's probably not the joke to go with. So I say, oh no, it's just a laptop. And again, it's been an absolute blast to be on the road. I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out, a thank you to our hosts at the University of Washington, our hosts at Columbia, the ITA, all the parents who came up. It truly is my favorite two weeks because I get to see so many of you who tune into this show day in, day out. We sincerely appreciate your support here at Cracked Rackets. It's why we try to produce shows every week. We appreciate your understanding that we missed one last week, but I am... 
I don't want to promise it because I feel like I've done this too many times, but these were Daniel Westoff's words. Uh, he said, as I'm in the car ride back from the airport from New York, that he thinks we're going to be on YouTube next week, Jace. If that's the case, it will be Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time. You will see plenty of promotion of that live show on our various social media channels. So hopefully we'll be back on YouTube starting next week. we got to do it at some point. I mean, again, we are through the first third of the season. And Jay, in that spirit, let's get to today's exercise. We are now officially in the computerized ranking portion of the calendar as we still have a few more non-conference matches to get through, but a significant enough sample size of battles to discuss. Let's hand out some first third report cards. Let's start at the top of the rankings, work our way down. Again, a few honorable mentions at the end as well. Starts out with number one, Oklahoma State. Hard to offer anything but an A for the Cowgirls through the first third of their season. We have said this throughout the course of our coverage, particularly during the national indoors. I guess we haven't spoken since, but it's just clear. The 2024 NCAA tournament it runs through Stillwater. And why, while, excuse me, I may not mean that yet in a figurative sense because there's still a lot of time for other teams to emerge, in a literal sense, Oklahoma State is not going to have to leave home as they pursue their first NCAA title in program history. Obviously, they host the final three rounds of the event, but they're going to be a top eight seed, Jay. Two wins over number two Michigan, a win over Stanford, a win over Texas, a win over Ohio State, a win over Pepperdine, a win over Auburn. Like, again, you can rack up nine wins already for this Oklahoma State squad and feel like even if they don't add to it the rest of the way, those nine wins might genuinely be enough if they're over 500 for them to be a top eight team. And there's obviously no doubt they're going to be over 500. I just mean that in the literal rule sense of their resume. Jay, it has to be an A. It's an A plus because they obviously brought in their first national indoor title. What has surprised you most about this group thus far? Because I don't imagine we disagree about the grade. Yeah, we definitely don't disagree about the grade. Anytime you bring home your first national championship or your program hits its highest ranking ever, and that ranking is number one, pretty hard to get anything but an A. I think what has surprised me the most so far is that Oklahoma State hasn't had a slip up. They have found a way to get through every single one of these matches, and they've played a lot of very close matches. And one of the things to monitor for this group was that Unlike some teams that make deep runs with experience, this team is pretty new to each other. Yes, you have some faces that have been around Stillwater for many years, but you bring in transfers, Komar, Kajuru, Carrington. It's a hodgepodge new group that they've put together this year. And so for them to play with the cohesiveness that we saw in Seattle has been really impressive. And maybe that slip up comes at some point during the regular season. But to start out 9-0, I think 10-0 now, uh, it's pretty impressive to avoid any of those hiccups. They did flirt with a disaster against UCLA in the kickoff weekend. They were, what was it, two points away from losing that match at two and being clinched on? I don't think they faced a team match point, but to go from that to national indoor title, you know, they've dropped, what, one, two doubles points so far. I know they lost to Ohio State in the regular season, or non-national indoors, I forget, if there was another doubles point dropped, but... Obviously, the Carrington comeback, a set and four love down against Shavathapan. You have that sort of drama as well. I mean, they win the national indoor final 4-3. Like, they beat Stanford 4-2. All these things, uh, so impressive. For me, the biggest surprise, I was unfamiliar with Christina Novak's game. 
I should have been more familiar because she went from the number one to number six position. And obviously on paper, you hear something like that and you think there should be improvement in the record right away. But for her to get off to this sort of start and, dare I say, not really offer any chance for Raquel Gonzalez, who had a real claim to want to be in this singles lineup. It's like, but why would we swap out Christina right now? You know, again, Miyamoto, Carrington, as good as they are at four and five, it's the depth on this team. Komar and Obi have been good, but the depth has been elite. That's what separated Oklahoma State from the rest. That's my biggest surprise. Any final thoughts of them? Are you ready to move on? No, I just, that's a great point. I mean, Komar and Kajuru had the headlines coming in, but for me, Carrington and Novak had the tournament of tournaments there in Seattle and were really the standout stars for them. Yeah, I mean, Komar and Obi won at one and two. Komar clinched, but yeah, it was, again, that depth down below that allowed them to get to that final match and ultimately prevail. Number two right now in the rankings is, of course, the team Oklahoma State has beaten twice, the Michigan Wolverines. Wolverines now 8-3, and three, I believe, overall. They get knocked out Sunday 4-2 by USC at home. No Jaden Brown in the lineup for the Wolverines. I'd be lying. I literally checked the scores today, and it was the first time I even recalled that that match had happened. I mean... Still, if you're the Wolverines, your two loss, two of your three losses are to the number one team in the country. You made your first national indoor final. I still think this is an A. Like maybe you want to say B plus if you want to knock the USC match that heavily, but like no, you look at the wins they've accrued thus far to beat NC State, to beat Virginia twice, and Virginia with the win over UNC. You imagine that win, those wins only continue to age well. I think, you know, the first round win over Cal also, that's a solid Cal team, a win over Oklahoma. A's the, A's the great, is it not, Jay? What surprised yeah, you Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. First national semifinal, first national final, push Oklahoma State to 4-3, really in that match towards the tail end. So absolutely an A for this squad. This is sort of the squad I was comparing Oklahoma State to that I alluded to where you have a team that has so many players like Gala, Kari, Jaden, all who have been on that team for at least four years and have played together through so much. This is a core that has seen a lot together and is now hitting the peaks of this Michigan program. Is the dirty secret, I still don't know if they've played their best match. Like the NC State match, they played really well. I think that's certainly their best match of the season to date. You know, the Cal match was a grind. The Virginia match was a grind. And it does feel like Piper Charney's been really good throughout. And her, the freshman delivering on a top 10 newcomer ranking, that added piece of depth this team is sick strong. There's no doubt about it. No disrespect to you, Reese Miller, and the doubles role you play. I just meant singles-wise, all six positions. They feel like they can win against anyone but they haven't had the match where all six players click. Where Kari, you know, Julia, Jaden, Gal is always clicking, but Piper, Lily, where they're all playing well at once. And I think that is something to be happy about. Like if you're Coach Ronnie Bernstein, is that like, yes, you made your first national indoor final, but I don't think they played their best tennis in any single match other than NC State. So you left me hanging last week. So I did my recap pod solo. And one of the things I talked about with this Michigan team is it's tough to feel like Michigan will ever be better outdoors than they are indoors just because they play so much indoors. But there's a lot to feel good about. If you're Michigan, you have to, with the exception of Jaden Brown missing that USC match, you feel like she'll be much better in May than she was at indoors. Piper Charney is already a star down there in that bottom of the lineup. She's going to be better in May. 
Julia Fliegner is probably going to figure things out. Like, I think there's a lot to like about this Michigan team moving forward. I totally agree with you. We're first third in, so quick tangent, but it relates to Michigan. The gal rankings. I think Gala is the Gala right now. Like, who do you trust match on the line if it's their court more than anyone else? Isn't it Gala Mesaharito? Like, isn't she that player right now? I'm Again, if you want to say it's Novak for Oklahoma State is the most valuable player right now, that's a different discussion. But again, it's a superficial argument, I know. Where are you in the gal rankings right now, Jay? I was always hesitant to buy into the gala hype because I felt pretty Michigan biased, but it is so well-deserved. I mean, it sounds like you were not following this USC-Michigan Well, she match. went unfinished in that one, too. Well, she was about to get knocked out. She was down a set and a break. <laughs> at two. And at two, moved all the way up. And uh, older Charney, Emma Charney, was, I think, two points away from finishing off gala. It goes to a tiebreaker. Like, oh, there's now there's no way gala's going to win or lose. She takes a tie break. She was going to be up big in that third set. It was an unfortunate situation where it's another match where Julia ends up losing. But Gala is just not losing regardless of where you put her. It's very well-warranted hype. Yeah, I I do think right now it's just funny. It's not where I expected to start the season, but I do think that's where we're at through the first third. Number three in the rankings, eight and one Stanford. National indoor semifinalist Stanford. You know, again, that that Oklahoma State match, a 4-2 loss, I thought very competitive across the board. Obviously, this Stanford team, they don't play a lot of indoor tennis. And certainly, to see Catherine Huey, she was just off in that semifinal. Just so hot and cold at that number five spot. Valencia Shu loses that match at six to Novak, but I want to see that one indoors when Shu can put a little more air under the ball, buy herself a little bit more time. I mean, look, Blake... Ma, in particular, Yepafanova, they're cruising. Blokina's had some serious highs already this season as well. I think I'm going to go B range because they didn't make the final, and they were the number two overall seed. And, you know, again, that match was competitive, but it did feel like Oklahoma State, it was never in doubt that the Cowgirls were going to advance to the final in that one. Still, I, I don't think it's certainly not a C. It's certainly not an F. I'd go B range for number three, Stanford. I don't want to get into the pluses and minuses here, so I'm <laughs> fine with B range. But if I did get into the pluses and minuses, it would be a B minus, uh, particularly holding Stanford to the bar that they hold themselves to Fair enough. Uh, at this point in the season. You know, there's definitely some room for improvement uh, for the Stanford team. What would you focus on most? Doubles. Like, I feel like it's a broken record at this point, but they have to improve doubles because you feel like the takeaway from that Oklahoma State match is outdoors. That match could be very different. Blockina gets a lot more time against Carrington outdoors. Shu, like you mentioned, at number six. Yeah, the doubles is just not looking that good. Uh, that's why I hesitate to say B minus. Like, you're right. By the standard they set, they want to be the national championship conversation. I still think they are. Like, it's a 4 2 loss. And as you talked about, it was just so abundantly clear given the game styles that Oklahoma State was better suited to win that particular match indoors. And this is one of those moments where it really helps. We were both there to see it in person because it really manifested itself at four and six. I mean, first of all, Carrington was just hitting her forehand so f- well throughout the national indoors. And, like, what could Blokina do? Carrington was playing 
lights out, I should be number one singles player in just about anyone else's lineup uh, levels of tennis throughout the course of that national indoors. And by the way, that match against Blokina was after her 7-5-4 love deficit down comeback against Shavatapan the night before. I think Stanford is still firmly ensconced in the inner circle of that national championship conversation. And that's why I hesitate to go below BJ because ultimately that's where you want to be through the first third if you're the Cardinal, even given their program standards. Yeah, and I would say even if you just truncate it to like the past few years, this is an A start for this Stanford team to get okay. wins at indoors, to get that win over Texas A&M, to have a, a match now with Texas, to get a top five win in and also win for Stanford is the Pac-12 doing better than they have in the past sure. few years. U- USC rising, Cal rising, UCLA on the precipice. So, uh, yeah, we can go B. All right, fair enough. Let's go to number four, Texas. A fascinating start mm. to the Texas season. They are 7-2 and two overall. Now, obviously, they had the loss to UCLA where they didn't have a full roster. But since then, wins over Florida State, Wisconsin, Georgia, A&M, Ohio State, and Auburn. Their loss 4-3 to Oklahoma State. It was a late loss of the second Nicole, Nicole Rivkin. Obviously, we didn't expect that on their roster, and thus they do feel a little bit more six-player centric than maybe they did in November. Those six have been really good. You can look anywhere. Again, if Shavathapan holds on to her lead, this team is in the National Indoor Semifinal. Who knows what happens against Stanford? I guess we'll find out here this weekend. Jay, this team's frisky. It's a really fascinating team. I'll let you go first on this one. What's your letter grade? I give them an A, and I give them an A because had you we had them what eight or nine in our preseason rankings with Nicole Rifkin. They lose Nicole Rifkin. They don't yet have Charlotte KP eligible. So for them to do what they have done so far to be number four in the computer rankings, I think that's well above expectations coming into the season in January. So I give this team an A. For Zanilova to beat Contos in a third set with how well Contos had been playing to start the season, still playing really well, by the way, no shame in that loss, but that is a signature win for Texas, given how well the Buckeyes have played to start the season. And, you know, again, that's one of multiple signature wins. They beat AM, they beat Georgia. That they're they have a real top eight resume. They're in that conversation now. And look, with the Big 12 having Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, there will be more ranking points available for Texas moving forward. Obviously, they still have the Stanford match coming up this weekend as well. They have scheduled aggressively this season. I guess my question as it relates to them moving forward, Jay, do they have another gear to get to? Do they need to find another gear? Or is this team, if this is the level we see from them in May, can they win a national championship? No, they can't. But (laughs) (laughs) it does feel like they're on a razor's edge. Why not? Just out of curiosity. Zainalova wouldn't be favored against any of the top teams at once. Not to say she couldn't win. Sasnaskaya might be down at five by the time we're in May. Well, she's had a really bad start. That's the upside, right? That's the upside. Rapalu is much better indoors than she is outdoors. And she's Uh, been elite to start. She's been fantastic. So you feel like she'll only regress a little bit. Um, Well, if she doesn't, she's in the gal conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I I just think like Avrutsky is probably not what you're going to win a national championship with down at the bottom. Although they did do it in 2022, but she definitely wasn't a point for them in those final stages. They're just, uh, they're outmatched. Uh, now, if they get Charlotte KP eligible, I think that's a different conversation. Sure. 
I, I think that's fair. I guess my thing for them is I think they can find four any different way. I just don't know what their one is, let alone two, three, four points on the board. And it is the first third of the season. So I'm going to go A, but it would be A minus. But yeah, just because they are better than I thought they were. This is a good team. They are a miserable out in Howie, Justin. They'll have themselves believing, uh, their team believing in themselves. This Texas team always gets better throughout the course of a season. So yeah, I'll go A, but I'm going to go A minus just because I'm still unsure about all things Texas. NC State's the current number five. They're next up on the list. John J. Parsons, semifinalist. They were at the national indoors. They probably win the match of the tournament, their 4-3 victory over UNC. All the twists, all the turns. You know, again, the new pieces look real good. Rejecki looked like the best player in the country at the national indoors as well, and it's just always nice to feel like you have that player on your roster. Where I know no Reese Brantmeyer in that UNC match, and obviously her health lingers over a lot of different things as we try to project this season moving forward. But where are you with these NC State Wolfpack through the first third? Well, on the the Reese Brantmeyer injury, I mean, we knew that going into this NC State match. I still thought NC State was heavy underdog in that match. I still thought North Carolina would win this. I give this NC State team an A because they lost a lot of pieces from their NCAA final run last year, notably their number one and number two players in Diana Schneider and Alana Smith. And they bring in a lot of different freshmen, a lot of new pieces. I did not think they would get that sort of win this early on in the season to upset North Carolina. I give it M&A. Eight and one overall. The big wins, obviously, over UNC. They beat Tennessee 4-3 on the road as well. Had to overcome some adversity there. A 4-1 win over Washington to kick off their national indoors. They've got Michigan again on Thursday in Ann Arbor. They've got another big one. I believe it's Oklahoma on Sunday as well. Again, they still have a resume to build, but you have to really like the start. I mean, Zimpardo, we got to see her in person. You know she is just going to get better with every passing day working with that NC State coaching staff. Zeranova has started her season so strong after really limited action last year. They've got fight, too. Like, we we joked about it during the National Indoors. When Shelly's running a tight ship, like, you kind of love to see it. And this team's just, they've got some post-NCAA final vibes to them, if you know what I mean. Like, they know how to win. They know how to maneuver some of those big scenes. Abrams at four, the level in her match uh, with Galamesa Harito in that semifinal. I mean, on the sneaky shortlist of highest individual level matches we saw all tournament long. They've got pieces like they're not good at doubles yet. There, there are pieces there, but they're not NC State good at doubles yet. That's what I want to clarify. Simon, don't you dare yell at me because I want to be clear. They are still good, better than most teams at doubles, but they're not NC State good at doubles yet. And this team always gets really good at the doubles point by the end of the season. Yeah, I mean they beat UNC, so it has to be an A. It just has to be. But. Jay, what's the piece you're most looking forward to seeing improve? Or what's your biggest question mark that you want to see over the next third of this season from NC State? Well, certainly doubles. Um, But in singles, it's actually Gina Dittman. Because I think Dittman certainly underwhelmed in that NCAA final. Wasn't able to get the point on the board there. And I think struggled there in that match against North Carolina. Losing that match to freshman Theodore Rabman of North Carolina, 
So she's the one that I would circle right now. But I mentioned this on, on my recap. It's really about Renchelli. Like at the end of the day, what Renchelli do we get? Do we get the one that upset Carson Tangillig or do we get the one that, <laughs> you know, is is struggling there? So those are the two players I would circle for this team. It'll be a fascinating team to continue to watch. Next up, another ACC team, number six, Virginia. Uh, who's their eight and two overall to start the year? Wins over Pepperdine, UNC, their only two losses, losses to the Michigan Wolverines. This team has real depth, and obviously for us to be there in person to get to see Heba Shea Camp the weekend she did during the National Indoors, I don't think you or I will ever forget that Sunday matchup in the morning between them and UNC and to see them win doubles and six first sets against the Tar Heels. Yeah, it wasn't your typical Tar Heels performance. There are a lot of factors that went into it, and I'm sure we'll get into them when we talk about UNC, but let's talk glass half full, and that's the who's side of things. They've got real depth. They've got real options everywhere. Annabelle Shue looks like the player we thought she would be pre-injury going into her freshman season. You know, her being as good as her and Shake have been up top, it allows all the other pieces to kind of fall into place. The Ziadatos, the Chervinskys as she works her way back. Obviously, I think the pressure Collard puts on people at six just makes you uncomfortable. It's a really good team, Jay. Again, another one of those, I don't know where they're finding four but they could beat you in a lot of different ways. What's your grade for the Who's so far? So, you know, I don't know if you can relate to this experience, but, you know, in school, sometimes there would just be like maybe one or two kids who like kind of just always got the A and like <laughs> you were you maybe just weren't at that level and you just knew that they were smarter than you. Uh, this Virginia team is a solid B, like a <laughs> solid, strong B. And there's just a few teams above them that we've given A's to. But, like, this is a great student. <laughs> like, this student <laughs> deserves, you know, parent-teacher conference is going to get high marks. But just, I can't give them an A. But I was very impressed with them at indoors. And I feel very good about this team moving forward, particularly in an ACC where I think there are some questions. And I think... The places where they struggled at indoors, I think they will only get better. I guarantee we're going to get the best of Natasha Subosh in her final year of college tennis come May. If that Hebeshake run at indoors is real, it's a very dangerous team. And already this early in the season, their doubles point looks great. I go the other way. I think if you're the teacher grading this performance, you know this isn't the Brainiac team with the photographic memories and the unequivocal sense of humor and personality to nail a presentation as well. This is a team that's got to work a little bit harder to get where they want to go, and they have succeeded in doing exactly that to start the season. That's why it has to be an A. And look, obviously, as you get further down, it'll be easier to give out maybe. This is the rosiest we've ever been, Jay. Like, What's going on with you? Do we need to talk? Is something happening? And what if I'm? Is this an April Fool's joke? You're playing on me early, and I'm just missing something. Um... I was. I, I, you're the one that gave them an A. I gave them a B. Yeah, I know. That's your first like B of the other than Stanford, and like even then, I think we're, I talked to you. We're at Team Six. And this is true. Although good pace, by the way, my friend. I like the the briskness that we're going with. I think it has to be an A because given what they're working with, they don't have the. I mean, they do have some superstar blue chips, but in Annabelle Shue in particular, but. Did you see what they did to UNC? Like that win in particular for Sarah O'Leary, what it's meant to beat Virginia 4-0 for the first time since 2012. Like 
come on. I think that has to be an A. And so they will be they're, – they're also on my A list. As, by the way, has to be number seven Ohio State. Like, yes, we're high up on the list, so it's easy to give the good grades. But just look at what the Buckeyes have done uh, so far this year. Six and three overall, but who are the matches against? Wins over Oklahoma, Duke, UCLA, Georgia – you know, the losses, 4-3 uh, to Texas, 4-1 to Stanford, 4-1 to Oklahoma State. The most impressive thing is how good the freshmen have been. Spencer, Chavez, Luciana Perry, they have all delivered. Ratliff has taken another step forward. Contos, we talked about it through the first two days of the National Indoors. She looked like one of the best players at the event. They have a lot of different pathways to four. You feel like at some point maybe there will be a freshman hiccup, just the way there always are for freshmen when you're so freshman reliant. You know, again, I could see like a bad weekend late March, early April, but this team has given themselves some room to maneuver, and this team will absolutely be threatening Michigan for the Big Ten title. They're that good. They could beat the Wolverines on any given day. They're on the top eight conversation, Jay. I think it has to be an A. Okay, I give them a B. Yeah. So and, I think these last two teams you've graded on their upside moving forward, which again, I, I can't knock you on, but your response to that charge. What do you mean on their upside moving Like I forward? think you look at Virginia and Ohio State and you say, these are really good starts. Do I think they're going to be in the national conversation moving forward? No. And thus the grade you're giving them can only be as high as, dare I say, B plus because it's like, all right, you showed us this is really great for what you can do, but like you don't get to hang out in the honor students club, which to some extent I don't think is an unfair charge for a Virginia or for an Ohio State. But relative to expectations to start the season, which I guess is how I'm framing my grades, that would be the arguments. The reason I was I missed you very complimentary of this Ohio State team for the duration of this season. I think they've looked fantastic. The reason I give them a B here is a lot of those wins haven't exactly aged well. So like when you list off those teams, it's like, mm, okay, like at the time that Georgia win is better than how it looks now, sure. right? Like the Duke and the UCLA wins. Mm. So I was a little, they would be a tier if they'd beaten Texas. Texas is a tier. Ohio state does not. I understand your argument. I guess for me, it's that it's so freshman reliant, like that context has to Give them a little extra boost, maybe then a half letter grader. Like instead of a firm B, it's a B plus. If yeah, that a B makes plus. Sense. I mean, they've overperformed okay. absolutely. We didn't know what these freshmen, these freshmen don't look that good on paper. So coming in, delivering what they have, it's been really impressive. I mean, again, I, I agree. I guess I can settle on B plus. That's a fair compromise. I'll live there. Let's get the F out of the way, and it's just because the standards they set for themselves. Number eight, UNC. They lose twice at the National Indoors for the first time in more than a decade. They lose 4-0 for the first time since 2012. Obviously, they see their nine consecutive finals at National Indoors and four consecutive title streaks snapped. Heartbreaker 4-3 against UNC. Beyond that, obviously, how long does Reese Brantmeyer out? They're really hoping she can be back this year, but it's an open question. And look, she was, what, two in the, the country in singles, one in the Still country is. in doubles. Yeah, it's a massive loss for any team to have to undertake, even with the depth you feel like UNC possesses. And yet, like, no one's writing them off. No one. Let's be abundantly clear. They are still UNC. 
when they reconfigure their doubles pairings, which they're going to have the opportunity to do, reconfigure the singles lineup as well, we're going to get to see what this non-Brantmeyer version of UNC looks like. And as Jay alluded to, going into that NC State match, we both thought they were still the favorites. Y'all got to had two match points. If a net cord forehand goes the other side of the net, UNC advances to the semifinals, and who knows what happens from there. It's an F only because I have to give someone an F, and their standard is we have on paper the best roster maybe in a decade plus in women's college tennis, and obviously they lose a significant piece, which has to matter, but I got to get the grade out of the way, Jay, so that's what I'm throwing here. Your thoughts on all things Tar Heels and why, I I mean, they're obviously still in the inner circle conversation. We just have to see what this new version looks like, and they just weren't ready for that Sunday match. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the records. This is the first time they're ranked lower than eight since 2014. So <laughs> it's it just an insane stat. And the the way that this Carolina team has continued to be at the top echelon year after year after year is extremely impressive. But relative to their standards, this is a, by all accounts, a disaster start. Now, it's also a testament to this team that no one is writing them off. Yeah. And... Even without Brantmeyer, you could make a very strong case that they are still the national title favorite. So it's, um, yeah, they it's not great start for them and certainly unfortunate for us as fans, too, that Reese Brantmeyer is out. We hope to see her healthy as soon as possible. But, yeah, unfortunate F for them. Sans Brantmeyer, what are you more concerned about, singles or doubles moving forward? I think my answer is doubles. I just think their lineups make so much sense. Tran Forbes together now, year plus. Crawley, Tan Gillig, same thing. Obviously, Brantmeyer, Scotty, top team in the country. Without Brantmeyer, who goes where? What pieces fit? I I think Rabman, Forbes sliding in, 5-6, Tran, whatever. Like the marginal difference there. Yeah, everyone has to slide up a spot, but we know how good Crawley can be at one. Like Tan Gillig at two is prove-it time for sure, but I still think four through six, they still have a massive competitive advantage. Doubles I'm less sure about. Like I just am worried that they're going to be down 1-0 with the lack of continuity. And then it's just a lot of stress to have to always find four singles wins. Not that it's going to be always because they're still so talented. They're going to win doubles points. But I guess I'm just more curious what the doubles looks like. So Tangela Crawley at number one, your NCAA champion. Forbes Tran at two. And Elizabeth Scotty, the best doubles player in women's college tennis at three with Yarla Gata. I think they'll be just fine. In doubles. All right. Well, I guess we'll I, find I out. actually have more questions about singles. Where in particular? Carson at two, I think now feels gettable to some of these top teams. And if we see Scotty slot in at four through six, I think I would be very Abby Forbes didn't win a set at indoors. So I'd be very surprised to see her outdoors. Now that's getting a little thin uh, in terms of uh, Scotty needing to play every match. It, it gets a little bit tricky. I do wonder from Abby Forbes if she approaches the season differently knowing, hey, like I might be needed more in singles. Let me try and work on that moving forward as well just so I can be available for her teammates because I know how much that matters to her. So they're obviously the most fascinating story through the first third. No one saw a one and two national indoor weekend coming. No one saw the Brantmeyer injury coming. Obviously, we will continue to monitor them all season long. Number nine on the list, Jay. We're over the halfway mark. USC, 
They're 7-3 and three overall, but get a massive victory over Michigan in Ann Arbor for two last weekend. Uh, obviously for them, they go 1-2 and two at the indoors. A loss to UNC, a loss to Pepperdine, but a 4-3 win over Washington. Great wins in the kickoff in Knoxville, 4-2 over Miami, 4-2 over Tennessee. They're working in some new pieces, right? There are some freshmen, certainly, uh, that have contributed right away. Emma Charney, the sophomore, clearly showing her fall was real. This team's good. Like I, I, I'm impressed by this team now. Again, I think they're going to fall into your BB plus range, but they have been solid so far to start, Jay. And, and it's a team that needed solid after so many ups and downs for the past two years. Yeah, it was nice of Michigan to throw them the bone of giving them the away win over the number two team in the country. But they certainly still had to earn it. And yeah, this for me is solid B category. Uh, We weren't sure what to expect with this team after losing Maddie Sieg and unsure who would be healthy. I feel like Snow Han, Naomi Chung, Aaron Cayetano have all struggled either with injuries or form. So for Charney to ascend up to the number two spot in that lineup. I'm pretty high on some of those freshmen. Uh, Lily and Immy both are mm-hmm. big hitters. I think they'll be great college players. So it's been a good start to the uh, USC season. They also had a good start. What was it? 2022. Uh, and then things kind of went the other direction. So hopefully they can hang on because now they have really helped the Pac-12 as well. Or Michigan has helped the Pac-12 and <laughs> kind of spreading out some of the points love. Yeah, I mean, the question is, can this team threaten for top eight? Probably still need a win over Stanford. Obviously going to have to beat a UCLA in conference play as well. But at Washington probably again also, and that is a frisky Washington team also. But this team has real depth. Like, I like their freshmen. I think one of Lily, Immy is always a real option. I think Grace Piper, uh, Parker Fry is a doubles team. Again, I just I like the combination there. I like their doubles teams everywhere. And to have Cayetano at five is a luxury because the senior still has ridiculous weapons that a lot of players can't deal with. And she has had a really strong start to their uh, her season. Like I think this team can find their way to two in a lot of matches. Doubles, Cayetano at five. And then, you know, again, you're always going to bet on Charney at two. Uh, obviously, this team just went on the road and found four against Michigan. So it speaks to what they are capable of doing. B plus or A minus. It's tough. It's tough. Mm, I'm going to go A minus because they had the kickoff weekend on the road. And I think that has to matter because they had a younger team and they went and beat a really tough Tennessee team uh, on the road in Knoxville. So I'm going to go A minus for it. uh, And I do think they're in the top eight hunt. Obviously still need things to go their way. I think this is where we're both going to get our C and J. I think you look at Georgia, 5-3 and three overall to start their season. Obviously not what they were expecting. Now, there's still wins over Florida, over Texas A&M, over South Carolina. That on paper, sure, great. But 7-0 loss to UNC, 4-3 losses to Texas, to Ohio State. 50,000-foot view, glass half full. Four three losses to Texas and Ohio State. Those are two of our top seven teams right now. This team is right in the mix. And, you know, they're still trying to find who fits where. Narundorn, Grant, what's the 5-6 look like? Obviously, Lapata's finishing a lot more matches than she was asked for before. Mel Riasco's never going to prefer indoors to outdoors. And you're working in an Alexandra Vecic into your top two of your lineup. That's a big ask for any new starter. It's C only because the... Expectations are University of Georgia, and this is a team with extraordinary talent. But like big picture, they beat Florida. 
They beat A&M. They beat South Carolina. If this team wins the SEC, they're going to be right back in the top eight hunt, Jay. So there is some glass half full case to make. I, I guess I'll go C+. Well, we should note you eliminated the D category, which is where <laughs> I had Georgia. So they get elevated into the C category. I, I mean, relative to expectations, this team has massively underperformed what we thought they sure. would. And I think that but to your point, is the season lost? No, not at all. Um, they're going to transition outdoors. A few of their players are going to like outdoors a lot better. The player who's really stood out for me for this Georgia team is Lapata. She's been excellent for them at number four. Still working. They're a little bit better in doubles this year, but still need to get better there. Season's not lost, but hasn't been the top five start we might have expected from in them. reality they should get an incomplete they've played eight matches like they're five and three i still don't have a clear read on them and again they beat their three sec opponents like that's if you're big picture you're drake you're jared you're saying hey we win the conference we're back where we need to be and so that is my prevailing takeaway but yeah i'll throw them in the c range let's stick in the sec auburn up next now obviously there's been a lot of off court things surrounding this Auburn program. They've lost both their head coach, their assistants. They're five and four overall. They did kick off weekend, go to Duke, beat Duke for two. Unfortunately, you know, again, tough kickoff, uh, tough national indoors for them, knocked out uh, by Oklahoma State on Friday, knocked out Texas A&M Saturday, but they do bounce back with a 4-0 win over Florida on Sunday, knocked out this past weekend 4-1 by Texas there are so many factors that go into this grade, Jay. It's tough to give an exact letter. What do you go with ultimately for this Auburn squad? I mean, can you like exempt them from the exam? Almost? Yeah, we Just should. Because, they get a like, pass. Just what yeah. are your thoughts on their season so far? For them to go to Duke and do what they did after the firing of Coach Lilly and just the horrible behavior that they've had to – manage through and just the betrayal that comes with that situation that's an a and the resilience that that team has shown to be able to still compete in these matches and put out a fight go to seattle find that third win on sunday that might be the hardest time to find a win after going zero and two to get out there and get that third win so that part's an a the um the on-court stuff has been tough this past weekend. They didn't have uh, Angelica Okotoye at Texas, so they need that full lineup. You know, Ovonk is still coming back from injury, so the on-court stuff certainly hasn't been what we expected it to be. But again, I feel like exempt from the exam is the right way to, to grade them. That Duke win is as impressive of any win as we will see this season, just given the circumstances surrounding it. And again, this team has real talent. They're still very much in the fight. They're 11 right now in the rankings, and they got a win at the National Indoors. They didn't go 0-3. They're still very much alive entering SEC play. If they take care of business, finish top four in the conference, they'll be a top 16 seed. You don't want to face them on the road if they're in the Sweet 16 because this is just a group that's been through a lot of things. They are 4-3 tough. I agree. It just has to be an A, given the circumstances of their season. Is San Diego in the A range for you, Jay? You look at what the uh, San Diego roster has accomplished. They're 5-2 and two overall. You know, Again, they beat A&M 5-2. They beat USC 4-3. Wins over Arizona State. Wake as well. Their losses 5-2 to Stanford. 4-3 in the kickoff weekend. Really fun match at Florida. I mean, you look at this San Diego program right now. They're 12 after the National Indoors. They made it to that event last year. They didn't this season, and they're ranked higher right now than they were last year. Is it A range for you? 
it's flirting with a range. Yeah. I will say one thing about that is both this San Diego women's team and the Kentucky men's team absolutely benefit from not playing indoors <laughs> and not taking any of these losses because these losses count a lot more early on in the sure. season um, when they only count so many wins. But highest ra- highest ranking in program history, so it's hard not to feel great about this San Diego team. If they knock off Florida in that kickoff weekend, they're a range right now. They're like a very solid B for me. Yeah, B plus. I mean, again, well, the A and M has I, depreciated. I say doubt. solid B, meaning like yeah, yeah. you're up there. I'm not doing no, the plus. I know that's what I'm here for, Jay. Again, we compliment each other well. B plus because they beat a Texas A and M squad. They beat a USC squad that's now top ten. Obviously, A and M had preseason top ten expectations and were top ten when they beat them. Those are real wins for this San Diego squad that has a lot of talent, a lot of depth, more experience than you think. They are just going to be a miserable out. And right now they're ranked higher than Pepperdine, who's at 13. It's a fascinating matchup between the two coming up in conference play that obviously we'll get in about a month, month and a half from now. But let's talk about their conference rivals next, Pepperdine Waves, who, again, if I had a choice, I'd probably give incomplete. Although I will say I feel better about the Waves now, having seen them play in person, than I think I did before the season. Four and two overall, only six matches, losses to Oklahoma State, 4-2 in Stillwater. 5-2 loss to Virginia in round one of the indoors, but they get 4-2 wins over Cal, USC to close things out. Still have open questions. Who's the six? Obviously, Conway, the freshman, struggled a little bit, but Zara's back. Brodus is back. Chen's playing outstanding tennis. Campana, uh, Redelic, they're the pieces you thought they'd be at four and five. It's vacillating between B and C for me, Jay. I'd probably go B minus, and I round up, so I'll throw it in the B range, but it's only six matches. It's really an incomplete. Where are you with Pepperdine? They're in the C range for me, but it's tough because do they ever look – I mean, it's been since like 2019, 2020, where I feel like they looked really good at indoors. Um, 2022, they looked fine before the Oklahoma loss. Like, that was a great match. They had their moments. Anyways, we don't have to litigate that. That was, I want to say, semis. Was it the semis? Because Oklahoma beat Texas in the quarters and then Pepperdine in the semis or the other way around. Anyways, anyways, yeah. um, I, I don't know. I feel like they never look fantastic. And so I feel like to me, it's pretty average and it's tough to know how much stock to put in the fact that I don't think they got a win at four through six at indoors. Yeah. They might have gotten one win um, in terms of matches there. But um, so it's C for me. I think they'll we'll need to see how the back half of that lineup transitions outdoors. This weekend, Auburn-Florida matches for Pepperdine. They also have a March 8th, March 10th trips to Ohio State and Michigan, Cal, USC, Stanford, U, uh, U, uh, Cal Berkeley, UCLA, all still on the schedule as well. And that San Diego match Friday, April 19th. So there's plenty of time for us to learn about this Pepperdine team. And by the way, plenty of time for them to make a top eight push still as well. Don't write off the Pepperdine waves quite yet. Where are you with number 14 Duke, Jay? I'm not even going to load you up other than to say Duke 6-2 and two overall, obviously lost 4-2 to Auburn kickoff weekend, 4-0 loss at Ohio State, but they did beat UCLA 4-0. They really only have conference play ahead, which for them starts this weekend. They've got at Miami, at Florida State, that Florida trip, always a tough one in ACC play. You're just not accustomed to playing in that heat for quite some time unless you've been in Florida. Jay, where are you with Duke uh, as we approach this stretch of the season? 
I mean, I think this one is pretty straightforward, right? Like they're not F, but they're not A or B. Like they're definitely a C. I think this is a Duke team that's made the quarterfinals and semifinals of the NCAAs like every year for the past four to five years, except last season when they got upset at home. And so for them to, you know, not have Chloe back, not have Daria Freeman transfer in, it's the Duke team outside the top 10. That's a pretty average ho-hum season for them. And there's been nothing to get super excited about. They lost at kickoff weekend despite hosting and they haven't gone above and beyond and done anything else. Kimchi's good, like very good contributor right away. Jackson Coleman, I think have both taken a step up. Uh, good to see Katie Codd contributing right away. I still don't know anything about this Duke team. I guess the C by virtue of that, I need to see them tested further, but I don't know. They would be another incomplete for me, Jay, just because four and four, like they didn't make the national indoors. And, you know, again, other than the UCLA Ohio State weekend and that, that's really all we've gotten. I think the fact that you're saying you don't know much about this Duke team for a Duke team that has players very experienced uh, across the board tells you that you do know a lot about this Duke team and there's not a lot to know. Maybe not a lot left new to learn would be the better way of phrasing that. But again, they're they're a team for us to monitor just because I want to see them in conference play when they go and go two and zero this weekend. And you know, again, then they get their shots at NC State, Virginia, etc. That's when we'll know do they have another top eight push in them. Where are you with Florida? Obviously, they were one of our 0-3s at the National Indoors. Now, they still haven't felt like been healthy all season long, but uh, you look for the number 15 Florida Gators so far this season. Uh, I believe it's 4-4 four and four overall uh, is the record. Now, they did get the win over San Diego in the kickoff weekend, win over Florida State Baylor as well. Excuse me. Jay, what's your letter grade for the Gators? F. <laughs> I mean, they went one in 12 at indoors. They won one singles match. It was, they were the worst team at indoors. So if we're only grading the the top 16 teams here, like it was bad. It was really bad at indoors. And it was bad relative to a Florida team that doesn't like to play indoors. I was super unimpressed with them at indoors. Um, I know that they have not been healthy, but the expectations were actually a little bit higher for this Florida team coming into the season, and they've definitely underperformed. See, because I agree the expectations are have they've underperformed, but they haven't been healthy. Like, they just haven't. And when they were outside, they beat a really good San Diego team for North Carolina wasn't healthy, and we gave them an F. That's true, but their expectations are a different level because they're North Carolina, the four-time defending national indoor champion. This Florida team was still trying to knock on the door of top eight for the first time in quite some time, and they just haven't been healthy enough to show the continuity and talent, strength, depth, et cetera, to do that. So I'm going to go low C range, but still going to throw it in the C range for me. Last but not least of the top 16, Jay, where are you with number 16, Cal? Again, it feels like we never get to see this Cal team fully. Obviously, I believe they had canceled matches again this past weekend. Uh, Cal's match against someone canceled. Maybe it was UCLA match canceled. Here's the point. You look for Cal National indoors. 4-2 losses to Michigan. Pepperdine 4-1 win over Washington. Their kickoff weekend wins over Illinois 4-0, 4-3 over Oklahoma. I thought were impressive. Obviously, they have the... Uh, the Lan Mi experience, which is a cult following, which gives you a half a letter grade boost no matter what, given that that's just been the revelation of the year so far in college tennis. But what's your grade on their performance so far again for this Cal Bears team? 16 overall, 4-2 and two in the record. 
they fall into my B category. Okay. If I was giving pluses and minuses, be a B minus. It'd be like just skirting in there. But I think for them to be at indoors, assert themselves well, come across as a very formidable opponent back in the top 16, that's above what they did last season. It's a big step forward. So to me, they're in that B tier. They're a frisky team. I'm fascinated to see how they perform in conference play, how they do against a Stanford, a UCLA, a USC, because if they're a top 16 team, they're going to be a tough out at home. And once we hit the outdoor calendar again, that is just that team becomes that much more of a difficult out in particular. I go B plus. Like I agree. I like oh. what I see from them. Uh, it's good to see them back, but I still have some questions about their lineup moving forward. Also, they didn't play great at the national indoors. Outdoors, I think, is a different story. Weirschholm's not her healthiest, and again, this team it just seems to always be bitten by the injury bug. So I'll go B plus. Uh, but I'm excited to see. Uh, how this Cal team performs moving forward. Last two in the honorable mention category, Jay. Where are you with number 19, Texas A&M? They were a team we had preseason top five. Obviously, you look at the record overall for the Aggies, six and five overall losses to San Diego, Stanford, Miami, Texas, Georgia. Wins over Auburn, TCU, Northwestern. Like That's really it so far. Uh, Thoughts on... I mean, are they an F? It can't be better than a C. Yeah, it's an F. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think just the delta in expectations and results is is tough. Now, do they have they started to show signs of life? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do I think they'll continue to be better outdoors? Also, absolutely. But so far to date, definitely been one of the surprising underperformers of the season. They're a massive wild card because they haven't been good at doubles and they've been so good at doubles for so many years now here, three years consecutively here. And then Smetanikov at five, Morales at six have really struggled. I think Perez has been fine. Like Stoyana has been fine. Like no one's been great thus far is the real problem for this Texas A&M squad. But they needed Perez to be great. Yeah. And maybe she ends up being a great four outdoors and is like undefeated. That could very well be the pot. Well, she's actually already lost outdoors to Blockina at four. But that's what we were kind of relying on. It's actually really interesting to me looking at Perez and Catherine Huey. These are Grand Slam junior finalists. Catherine Huey is a champion. They're not even in the top three of the lineup. And neither of them are points on either of these teams that you feel really good about. Uh, either college tennis level has increased significantly or I don't know what's going on with these junior slams. We should ask Scott Lewis. Or or that adjustment to no ad scoring takes a second. The energy, the rhythm, the momentum, like it will be fascinating to see how these freshmen mature throughout the course of the year. I agree with you there. Last team, UCLA, two and three overall. It's been a fascinating five matches. They beat Texas 5-2. Obviously, Texas was short some players. 4-3 loss to Oklahoma State. 4-0 4-0 win over Iowa State, 4-0 losses to Duke and Ohio State. What do we make of the Bruins so far, Jay? Who are currently, by the way, sitting, I believe, at 26. Uh, excuse me, currently sitting at 29 in the ITA rankings. Pretty good for two wins. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of this UCLA Incomplete. Team. I agree. Like, They're so fascinating, though. You know... Because they looked great. Well, we didn't actually get to see the match. So I'm yeah. curious to know what happened at the Oklahoma State push. But then those losses to Ohio State, the Duke loss was a good win for Duke, but t- 
tough for UCLA. Incomplete. Yeah, I, I just their roster is too intriguing to give up on the Bruins now, I suppose. But that said, those are our first third report card grades for our top 16 teams, as well as Texas A&M and UCLA. Now, the best part is we get to see these teams pretty much all go back in action here this weekend. It is a loaded week ahead schedule just to run you through some of the highlight reel matches tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern time, NC State at Michigan in Ann Arbor. You've got on Friday, Texas at Stanford. You've got Duke at Miami, UNC taking on Florida State. It must just be our first ACC weekend, although for what it's worth, our broadcasts don't begin until the subsequent weekend. Uh, Those are San Diego at Oklahoma, really fun match as well. Pepperdine at Auburn, some non-conference play. Quieter Saturday, but then you get to Sunday. NC State at Oklahoma. UNC at Miami, Ohio State at Arizona State, Pepperdine versus Florida. Uh, You've got Duke uh, taking on Florida State, almost a must-win match for the Blue Devils as well. Jay, talk me through what intrigues you most, what you'll be watching in the week ahead. Well, I hope to be in person at the Stanford-Texas match. That's been a match that Stanford's won the past few years. It's nice to see them do a home-and-home match. with those two programs, very curious to see if we get Jaden Brown in the lineup for Michigan against an NC State. That's a rematch of the indoor semifinal. The Pepperdine weekend intrigues me as well. That's a must 2-0 weekend for Pepperdine against Florida and Auburn. A lot of good ones across Absolutely. the board. No, it's top eight, top 16 sort of litmus test. Like Again, Duke goes 2-0 against Miami and Florida State this weekend. or They're out of the top eight conversation for sure. And now top 16 starts to become dicey for the Blue Devils right out the gates, out of conference play. Obviously, the UNC bounce back begins yep. this weekend. That's just a storyline in itself. But Pepperdine, top eight, like beat Florida, beat Auburn. If you want to prove you're a top eight team, obviously we just haven't seen them play that frequently yet. They should have advantages at the top of the lineup. Their match calculus works well against these teams. So we'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. Oklahoma, like same thing. You want to get in the top eight conversation, a massive, massive weekend for the Sooners at home. They haven't had a single break go their way yet this year. Can they finally get one this weekend? A lot of good storylines, Jay. And of course, we will be back next week, ideally on our YouTube channel live Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time to break it all down. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an any job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A thank you again as well to all of you listeners, parents, players, coaches, whomever came up to us throughout the course of National Indoors. I know in Seattle, Jay and I certainly enjoyed interacting with all of you. I enjoyed doing it in New York as well. Whenever you see us, make sure you do come say hello because that's why we did this, you know, again, why we do this to try and connect the college tennis universe. Those of you who enjoy the sport like we do, we know are out there and let's enjoy that fact together. Uh, Certainly let's enjoy this lovely sport. With that said, John J. Parsons, any final thoughts before we wrap today's show? No, I think this was a good first trimester report card. Next week, we will certainly have a ton of results to talk about, so a lot more to break down. Absolutely. I feel primed. I feel locked and loaded. I feel ready for the meat of the season to begin. So with all of that said, for the fantastic John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.